A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maybe. Colton Dread on set. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 407. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are talking about Remember Me. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. We are back into our October Halloween season and doing some spooky stories. In this case, we are doing a BBC ghost story from 2014 originally aired as three 60-minute episodes and it marked a return to acting it had been some time for michael palin of muddy python fame it did indeed and it's an interesting and strange tale of an elderly man who is being pursued by a dangerous ghost and the effects that this ghost has both on him and on those people around him. And it brings in some suitably spooky chills for this time of the year for us, Brian. Yes, it does. And as you say, a sort of sense of physical danger as well as the spooky things, which is interesting. So for the setup, we've got this elderly man living alone in his small house in a small Yorkshire village. And very clearly at the start of the first episode, he fakes a fall. He puts himself on the floor at the bottom of the stairs to attract the attention of, first of all, his neighbours and then of social services because he clearly wants something at the start of this story, Brian. Yes, he is very clearly wanting to move from his house into a care home of some sort, and he wants to do that permanently. He wants out of this house. He wants to cut those those ties to that place. And as soon as he moves into this care home where he goes, he witnesses a tragic death when someone falls out of the window of the room he's just been assigned to. And we get this sense that death is following Tom and that he is running from something and we don't know why or what he's running from. Much will be revealed as we progress through the three episodes of the show. So let's move on to the characters. Let's start with the chap himself, Tom Parfit, played by Michael Palin. Now, Tom claims to be about 80-something, and I think it'd be fair to say, Brian, that he acts a little bit sort of as if he doesn't really know what's going on. He plays slightly dumb. Uh, when clearly he knows a lot more about what's actually happening than he's letting on initially. And we should mention this is Michael Palin on screen. We've heard his voice certainly as the narrator of the new version of Clangers that we talked about briefly when we did the original series. And we reckon this is our third canonical on-screen Python now, Brian. Yes, I believe that's right. We had John Cleese in Whoops Apocalypse, and we remembered, or you reminded me, we had Eric Idle very briefly in Jonathan Miller's Alice in Wonderland. Yes, and now we have Michael Palin here. And it's Michael Palin in a serious role and playing something of a curmudgeonly elderly character, which is so interesting to see because he does it very well. He does indeed. 
indeed, as we'll talk about as we go on. Alison Denning, played by Rebecca Statton, is the social worker who moves Tom to this care home, but dies as she falls from this top floor window while Tom is watching, while he's right there. Yes, her death sort of is the first one that we'll see in this series and sort of kicks off events, really, yeah. It's what brings the various characters together. So he's in this care home. He meets a young care worker called Hannah Ward, played by a very young Jodie Comer, who we now know for the TV series Killing Eve, but she's also appeared in films and on stage and is quite famous now. She's this young care home worker. She befriends Tom. She's an interesting character because she's also struggling with her own family life. She's looking after her young brother. Her mother, played by Julia Sawala, is a sort of rather detached and troubled figure and doesn't seem to have much to do with organising or looking after the family. And so Hannah's had to put off her plans for university in order to carry on working and bring in a wage and look after the family. So she has quite a lot to do. She does. When her father died, and we don't see her father, but her mother never recovered from that, and Hannah had to take over taking care of things in this household as quite a young teenager and has been doing that for some time by the time we're in this show. DC Rob Fairhome, played by Mark Addy, who you might remember as Robert Baratheon from the first season of Game of Thrones. He is a police officer who investigates this death at the care home and is then caught up in the search for Tom and the mysterious assailant and in trying to figure out what's going on in this whole situation that appears to have some strange things that he can't explain. And we've said that Hannah's got quite a complicated family life Uh, I think it'd be fair to say that Rob has also got his own complications and difficulties with both work and his private life and and stuff as well I think Brian yes in a way I think everyone in this show does but certainly they do and yeah in this show people have complicated lives and lots of things they're dealing with and are being sidetracked from those things because of the events of the series yeah Yes, indeed. I do also want to mention Roshana Salim, who is the neighbor who helps out Tom Parfit after his apparent fall and is sort of the person who is near that house when he isn't there anymore and is involved uh, at a number of points. She was played by Mina Anwar, who you may well remember as Ronnie's mother from the Sarah Jane Adventures. She has been in a lot of things, often in comic roles, but in serious roles as well. And she is uh, definitely a part of things here as well. And she also has complicated things going on in her own life with her sons and so on. I think there's a lot of depth in all the characters sort of uh, hinted at both by the writing and the performances. Yes, I think that's right. There is a lot going on. So there's, they all have sort of a life that we, or many of them have a life that we hear a little bit about rather than just being there for the events of the story. So on with the story a little bit and the mystery of this missing pensioner, Tom. 
And as we've hinted at, he's a rather mysterious figure. He's somewhat vague about his age, keeps saying he's 80-odd. He arrives at the care home rather suspiciously with his suitcase, which is entirely empty. And one of the things he tells Hannah is it's very important that he doesn't bring anything from that house, this little house that he lived in on the end of a terrace uh, in the village, the one where he staged the fall. So there's some straight away, there's some sort of puzzling and mysterious issues about Tom. Yes, and when someone else tries to bring things from that house, it becomes very upsetting for him. And then he goes missing from this nursing home and people are concerned for him. And Hannah starts to look for him and the police officer, Rob Fairhome, starts to look for him and we get into questions about that. Where did he go and why? We also get some clues from the house when someone goes into his house with photographs of an unknown woman, possibly with Tom as a child, and questions and strange things we see there. We do, yes. Some of the stuff that's found in his house. And the other thing that's found in his house or at least one of the other things found in his house, is sheet music. Quite a bit of music, and mostly it seems to be, or in fact all seems to be, versions of the folk song Scarborough Fair. And I don't suppose I'm giving too much away, Brian, to say that having a bit of folk music played through a ghost story, often if it's slowed down and perhaps a slightly unusual version of it, gives this um, a slightly spooky feel to this show. Yes, it does. And Scarborough Fair is actually very important to this story. And there are, as you say, different versions and older variants that become a part of things. And clearly something strange is following Tom. And unfortunately, it's leaving dead bodies in its wake. And what seems to be a straightforward police investigation of a tragic fall to begin with starts to, I guess, warm up a bit. And DC Rob Fairhome is having to do or look into this much further. And he's assisted by young Hannah, who is trying to help. She's trying to find Tom. Um, Can Rob and Hannah find him and solve this mystery before another tragedy strikes? Yes, while she is trying to keep things stable at home and he is dealing with things going on at work where they aren't thinking much of this investigation and so on. Interesting stuff. Yes, indeed. So we should get into our production notes. Remember Me was commissioned for the BBC by Ben Stephenson and Danny Cohen in early 2013. They approached Gwyneth Hughes to write the script and Mammoth Screen, the company that did the 2019 War of the Worlds, to do the production. Hughes is a TV writer best known for her work on several popular detective shows. So I think that sort of pushed us a little bit in the direction of of that genre as well. And I don't know if she's actually originally from Yorkshire, but I know she does live in Yorkshire now, and she was very keen to write what she saw as a regional ghost story that would feature the landscapes and particularly the accents of the area. And we know from the BBC website that she'd visited the coastal town of Scarborough in Yorkshire and had she become interested in the history 
particularly the folk song and earlier versions of the the folk song perhaps you know versions that go a lot further back than say the popular Simon and Garfunkel arrangement that people are probably familiar with she thought this piece of music would make a sort of good spooky plot point for a ghost story and because the BBC and Mammoth Screen got involved in the process very early on they were able to send out the script for the first episode to actors before she'd even written the next two episodes and so it was already going to casting directors straight away from this first episode before she got to write the others. Yeah that's interesting that's a quicker process than we have in uh, a lot of things. Michael Palin of Monty Python fame saw the script and signed on almost straight away, which came as a surprise for Hughes, who was then able to write the rest of the story with Palin in mind. And Michael Palin had not been acting on screen for some time, This and The Wipers Times, which was slightly earlier, but around the same time, those two were, I think, basically his first thing since Alan Bleasdale's GBH show, which is back in 1991. So it had been well over 20 years since he had been acting in things on screen. And then we saw him starting to do a couple of things again. And this was one of them. Interesting. Yeah. And it's certainly, you know, his last big role on the screen was GBH. And then, he, as you say, he does the wipers times and then he gets a lead role in this. Yeah. He had done some work on animated shows, voice work and that sort of thing in the 90s and 2000s. The Wind in the Willows was one of those. And of course, he was doing his travel documentaries, which were very popular. And actually, as we record, there's about to be a new Michael Palin travel show starting on the BBC. In fact, I think, you know, very soon. So he's, uh, he's, he's back on his travels again. Yes, indeed. There you go. Now, Remember Me was produced by Chris Carey for Mammoth Screen. He also produced the 2012 Dirk Gently series that we've previously covered. And the three episodes directed by Ashley Pierce, but again, I think best known for television detective shows. There's certainly some of the, the you know, the writers and behind the camera roles here seem to have come from TV police shows. And of course, they took the production to Scarborough and Huddersfield in Yorkshire so they could film, filming in early 2014. And it looks to have been cold and wintry for filming, which, again, you can't go wrong with that for a a ghost story, really, can you, Brian? Yes, that's right. It certainly added to the, the feel of it. And you need to have a ghost as well, of course. And that part was played by the dancer and choreography Mayuri Bunam who is also the artistic director of the South Asian dance company, ATMA. And some of her scenes were actually shot and then played backwards in order to accentuate the strangeness and supernatural quality of the ghost's movements. And again, I've hinted at this with the the sort of like the choice of music for a ghost story, but also if you get a dancer or a movement artist and you do some weird things with the filming for the actual ghost performance, it's um, suitably uncanny and weird, Brian. Yes, a dancer can bring you suitably unusual movement and then when you start running that backwards you can get something very strange indeed 
The music for the series was composed by Ruth Barrett, who also arranged some of these different versions of Scarborough Fair that are heard across the episodes and as the theme music for the show as well. Remember Me was broadcast weekly on BBC One starting on Sunday, November 23rd in 2014 in a 9pm time slot for the three episodes. And interestingly also turned up later on on the PBS network in the US. But it took till 2017 to get there, where it was apparently screened on PBS. We don't know whether they did it as three episodes or two. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Yeah, so we should get to availability now. Okay, so let's talk about how you get to watch this show. Region 2, it is available on a rather expensive BBC DVD for £25. I'm indebted to Jill on the email who reminds me, of course, that there are still DVD rental services. The one she recommends is Cinema Paradiso, and they do have it as part of their rental package there, remember me. But I've also been watching it on streaming, where it's available on Amazon Video for £1.89 an episode in SD, £2.49 HD, or as part of a BritBox subscription, which I have, and that's how I watched it. Now, the interesting thing about that, which I have to point out, is that they have changed it from three episodes to two 90-minute episodes, which, you know, is slight change, a slight sort of change in pace, but also has led to some confusion, I notice, on the Amazon site, because there is a third episode listed on Amazon, which some people who've watched the first two on BritBox have then paid for the third one on Amazon and realised that they've already seen that part in the sort of rebundled two episodes. So just be careful when you go in that way. But it is on Amazon streaming and on BritBox. Yes, I don't know where the two episode version came from what that was originally done for but it, it is available in the two formats and in either case you get about three hours of content in region one brian over here in region one it is available on the pbs masterpiece streaming service which is six dollars a month in the u.s and seven dollars a month in canada and they do have a trial period for that. I think it's a one-week trial. You can also buy it from Amazon Streaming for $8 in the U.S. It is available for a similar price, I believe, on iTunes in both the U.S. and Canada. There is no Region 1 DVD release, as far as I can tell. But there are some U.K. imports on the Amazon Marketplace and elsewhere. And these streaming options are available. So it is actually available, you know, quite easy to get hold of, thank goodness, and to watch it and reasonably cheaply as well. Yes, indeed. So next time we will talk a little bit more about how the story develops. We will indeed. We're going to have to get into the ghost and a little bit of the ghost's backstory to tell you what's happening. So there'll be some sort of minor spoilerish things coming up in the next episode. And we're going to discuss a couple of familiar TV ghostly tropes that this story story uses and we'll perhaps talk about where they may have come from yes indeed and we will of course give our own reviews and recommendations for this show as well 
Until then, you can find us at BritishInvaders.com with all of our past episodes there. Or if you search for us on Facebook, you can join our Facebook group and join in in some of the conversations there. We are also on Twitter. We are at BritInvadersPod. So you can follow us and join us there as well. Yes, do come along and join in the chat on Facebook or tweet at us on Twitter. You can also find us as part of the Voice of Geeks Network vognetwork.com is where you need to go you'll find some geek related podcasts some some gaming content some twitch streaming and you'll find british invaders there as a proud member of the voice of geeks absolutely so thank you for listening and this is brian from canada signing off yes thank you very much until next time eamon in england also signing off <laughs>